Hebrews chapter 9, and like I said, I'm, really, I'm not going to take the, the whole time, um, but there's, there's one thing that I want to touch on, and I don't want to just say it out of my own words. I really want to say it out of, out of written, I want to say it out of written word. I want you to hear it from, from the love letter itself, not just from me. But bear with me, there's a lot of Bible that we're going to read through to get to the point that I want to make, but it is critically important that I read these verses before just immediately jumping into this random point, that, not a random point, but the point that I want to make, I want scripture to back it up. So I'm just going to just please join with me. I'm in the Passion Translation. Um, if it sounds a little bit different, that's why. But I said I wasn't going to teach out of the Passion Translation in Hebrews, but each week it's just like the language in it is incredible, and so it's kind of hard to put it down and get away from it into another translation. But chapter 9, verse 1, here we go. Now, in the first covenant, there were specific rules for worship, including a sanctuary on earth to worship in. When you entered the tabernacle, you would first come into the holy chamber where you would find the lampstand and the bread of his presence on the fellowship table. Then, as you pass through the next curtain, you would enter the innermost chamber called the holiest sanctuary of all. It contained the golden altar of incense and the Ark of Covenant Mercy, which was a wooden box covered entirely with gold. And placed inside the Ark of Covenant Mercy was the golden jar with mystery manna inside. Aaron's resurrection rod which had sprouted, and the stone tablets engraved with the covenant laws. On top of the lid of the ark were two cherubim, angels of splendor with outstretched wings, overshadowing the throne of mercy. Praise God. But now is not the time to discuss further the significant details of these things. So with this prescribed pattern of worship, that just got done in verses, right here in verses one through five, that, if you're wondering what the heck, what prescribed pattern of worship, what we just read, one through five, that prescribed pattern, all these different things and rituals and steps and rhythms that they had to follow into. So with this prescribed pattern of worship, the priests would routinely go in and out of the first chamber to perform their religious duties. And the high priest was permitted to enter into the holiest sanctuary of all only once a year, and he could never enter without first offering sacrificial blood for both his own sins and for the sins of the people. Now the Holy Spirit uses the symbols of this pattern of worship to reveal that the perfect way of holiness had not yet been unveiled. Praise God for that because that means Jesus is coming, yeah? It means Jesus is coming. For as long as the tabernacle stood, it was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment. Everyone in here say present time of fulfillment. Guys, I can't stress to you how critical it is that when we read, there, there is so many areas of scripture that when I've, when I've spoken certain things or said certain things, this, this used to happen to me in, in college all the time of people would just say, Matt, you don't understand. That's, that's a to come, to come reality. Like you're just like, no, you, you can't just be free from sin now. That's, that's going to be later. I'm just like, well, then what the heck kind of good news is that? 
If I'm waiting to go to heaven to be free from sin, death is my savior, not Jesus. Like, what, like what, what, what type of salvation is a salvation that relies on me going there to be free from something here? That's not good news. That's not exciting at all. I'll just self-medicate myself and fill the gap with some other false lover. Death is not your savior. Jesus is. Salvation is for here now, happening right now. You have been sozoed, saved, healed, set free, delivered, and in that moment, right now, you're being kept from all harm. This is a reality that happens right now. That is salvation. That, that is where you sit. That is where you are right now. It was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment. Why can we say, why does it say present time of fulfillment? Because Jesus rolled away the stone and everything that we are getting ready to get ready to read into actually worked. It was actually accomplished. Present time of fulfillment. Demonstrating that offerings and animal sacrifices had failed, had failed to perfectly cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. For this old pattern of worship was a matter of external rules and rituals concerning food and drink and ceremonial washings, which was imposed upon us until the appointed time of heart restoration had arrived. Religion and a religious culture will always seek to nitpick at what certain things look like on the surface, and it will never be able to enter into a place of celebration. Religion will never be able to celebrate. Religion will never be able to celebrate the Lord. Religion will never be able to celebrate others. Religion will never be able to celebrate a culture. Religion will never be able to celebrate a, a, a new thing that the Lord is doing because it will only ever see flaws, imperfections, and Oh, well, why are they doing it this way? They should be doing it this way. Religion walks around the outside of the camp of what the Lord is doing, looks at it, and makes criticisms rather than just simply surrendering and giving yourself over to it. And a religious heart and a religious mindset will always keep itself from fully being able to enjoy the Lord because religion lacks surrender. Lacks surrender. When Jesus came, walked the earth, did everything that he did fully as God and fully as man, I, I firmly believe had the Pharisees recognized who he was, what he came to do, and surrendered to his, his ministry, I, I believe that the Pharisees would have been his disciples and not the disciples as the disciples. Because the Pharisees, they, they would have been the full package. But their, their minds of religious bondage kept their hearts from embracing a kingdom reality and a kingdom that Jesus came to establish and set up and demonstrate. This is also equally as important while we also learn how to embrace mystery in our lives. I have found in my life, I am yielding to a religious mind when I demand the right that I have to understand everything. That's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm yielding, me personally, 
I'm yielding to a religious mindset when everything that's going on in the season and time and twistings and turnings of life, it has to make sense to me. And I demand that it makes sense to me. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't pray for wisdom, you don't pray for clarity, you don't pray for understanding. You, you obviously said, James is pretty clear. If you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. But if you don't get the answer to your prayer, are you still willing to run with your eyes fixed on him? Knowing that he is your inheritance, not the answer to your prayer. But he, he Jesus is the answer. Verse 11, but now the anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. For he serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of, his, not a part of this creation. And he has entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. How many of you know that your salvation, it does not depend on you? It, it does not depend on you. I'm not talking about obedience. I'm not talking about, sanctification honestly doesn't even depend on you. Sanctification is up to God the Holy Spirit. If sanctification depended on you, we've just reinstated self-righteousness. My salvation is secure because it has nothing to do with me. It was a free gift. I, I, there, there was nothing that I did for it. Freely extended, freely given. Under the old covenant in verse 13, the blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences for by the power of the eternal spirit he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. Really quick. In Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 27. I don't have an Old Testament with me, so I'm, I'm pulling this up on my phone really quick. In Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. When Ezekiel 37, 27 says that, in the King James Version, it says, I will, I will tabernacle with them. My tabernacle with them. Yes, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What is all of this? Let's, let's squish this down into a bite-sized portion. When Jesus came and brought in the new covenant, there was no tabernacle that man could make. The, the tabernacle was, that, that was, that was a part-time momentary reality. It was good for that moment. And honestly, if you read the Old Testament, Oftentimes, a lot of people, we, we, fall, we fall into this temptation of, why does it seem like there's such a difference between God of the new and God of the old? When you read the Old Testament, 
I mean, really read it and slowly read it. You will see a God that is just desperate to have relationship with people and is literally willing to make compromises and cut corners and not, not cut corners in the moral sense, but he literally is so desperate for relationship with people. Look at the lengths that he goes to. Look at the things that he goes to to say, okay, let, let's, let's try this for relationship. Let's try this for relationship. Okay, you messed up again. You built this weird idol. Okay, let's, we're going to try again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again. And in the new covenant, we become that very tabernacle that God lives in, dwells in, and lives out of. And all of a sudden, it's not like on, on Thursday nights, you're not going to a specific section of the city, and as soon as you turn down the street, you have to get out, put on different clothing, we, we sprinkle you with ashes, you, you walk through the blood of this animal, like that'd be like super weird and cultish. When you, when you come in, it's just, you're here, and you just come in, because right now, in this moment, you are the tabernacle of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, you are the temple, you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this text is pointing to the fact that Jesus is introducing to a group of people, hey, it's not going to be about where you have to go, what you have to do, I'm actually going to tabernacle. I'm going to abide with you. You are going to house me. You are going to have me fully. I'm going to take up full residency and full real estate in you. So if, you're, if, you're, if that's not cool enough, like this is, you guys remember the sermon where I literally said the Garden of Eden is in you. That's freaking awesome. Like you guys remember, okay, maybe not everyone was here for that, but why does this matter? When you go into your secret place to be with Jesus, are you guys with me right now? Everyone's with me? When you go in your secret place to be with Jesus, or if you're driving, or whatever that looks like, you have five minutes to be with the Lord. I want you to try something next time. I want you to try something. I'm not against, I am not against the language of come Holy Spirit. I've said it before. I've used it more times than, than I know of. I've used that language almost my whole entire life. I would like to suggest, I would like to suggest that a more biblical approach to come Holy Spirit is, Jesus, I welcome you. And then just breathe in and breathe out. Jesus, I welcome you. Why, why do I say that? If he has promised to be with me, to tabernacle with me, to live inside of me, he has not gone far. He hasn't gone far. Even if I invite him, even if, you, even if it's just like, okay, hey, I've, I've grown up saying, Jesus, I invite you, that, that's, that's fine. I honestly really don't think that Jesus is going to get hung up on certain language that we use. I really think that he just, he cares about the heart posture that you have to meet with him and give him attention in the room. But I just... I think that when we come to be with him and we sit down with him, I, I fall into the temptation of, well, I have to get him to arrive. I have to draw him into the room. If he's interested in me in that moment, he will come in. And there's like, no, I, <laughs> he's already made up his mind 
He's already made up his mind about what relationship looks like in that moment. He's a breath away. He's a breath away. Oftentimes, what keeps me from encountering and enjoying him is the fact of the idol of myself is still the offering that I'm bringing to him. Stop trying to impress him. He sees it anyway and he knows it anyway. Like, and it is funny to say this, but come to him naked and unashamed. There's, there's nothing to hide. It's open. It's exposed to you. And, I, and I'd like to suggest that in, in my Bible, at least right here, it says the heavenly pattern of worship. In verse 12, it says, He has entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice, and he alone has made our salvation secure for, forever. He serves in a greater, more perfect, heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. You were not made by mere men. You were made by the hands of the Son of God. Even, even if your mom and dad came together, wanted, wanted to have a baby, and you were the beauty that came out of it, even if you were just like, well, my mom and dad didn't want me, and I wasn't planned, and I wasn't this. I don't care how you got here. You are not an accident. If your mom and dad or whoever got together to have you, I don't care if it was a mistake on purpose or not. You were the beauty that came out of it. So you're here on purpose, and Jesus designed you, sees you, and has knit you together on purpose for a purpose. Well, I'm a mistake. You're 100% not, because you, you, you made it past the gateway of flesh and blood and life that released you into the earth realm to have purpose and to have a voice and to have a destiny. That's for someone in here tonight. You're not made by mere human hands. You are born of spirit and truth. That is to say, not a part of this creation. I'm just finishing out reading that verse in verse 11. He serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of this creation. I believe that hosting and having and experiencing the manifest presence of Jesus in our lives, in, in, in our gatherings. I'm just going to do a simple, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this, by the way. It will be easier, easier, I believe, I would like to suggest, to celebrate him corporately when we have learned to discover him and experience him singularly by ourselves because then the service actually becomes a celebration and not the main feeding event then it's it really is not about a message then okay well if it's not about a message then why do you get up to teach every single thursday night because it is a commandment a commandment to preach and present the gospel it is it's it's scriptural obedience to preach proclaim and fulfill the speaking of Holy Scripture. But the gathering does not become the main feeding event. Your private individual life is, and then when we come together, it actually turns into a celebration. 
And, and who doesn't want to come into a room when they're being celebrated? It'd be really weird if you, it was your birthday and your closest friends and family threw you a party and then you just decided to never come into the room and you just got in your car, pulled out of the driveway and left. You'd, you'd be leaving. It's like, like, no, this was for you. We put this on for you. You're the guest of honor. We've, we've prepared a seat. We've prepared a place for you. And we want you to come in and look, like, look at what we have made for you. And then when he comes into the room, we storm his feet and we storm him, throwing ourselves down at his feet. And the, and, the, and the secret exchanges of love that I've had with him throughout the week, I get to come together with my closest friends and family on a Thursday night and corporately offer that. Can you like, imagine what's taking place in the spirit realm as all of this is happening? And then fire falls on people's individual sacrifices. I believe that Jesus has more love in the tip of his, of his, of his pinky than the Niagara, than Niagara Falls does water. And if we're going to learn how to host him well, and we're going to learn how to care for his presence well, I think we would make it easier on ourselves if we've recognized that you house him and you are the tabernacle of him. And when, and when we look for scriptures that say, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, you're not seeking him because he's lost or he has hid himself from you. But it's to entice your heart in this chase of love to learn what it means to make a choice to come away with him, to be away with him. What if... I don't, even, I don't know if this is going to happen. This is not scripture. This is personal opinion. What if, just go with me on this, what if when you got to heaven, you got to look back, Jesus was walking with you, and he looks over at you and he just says, hey, can I, do you want to watch um, a replay of some of my favorite moments of your life that I've kept? And you're like, yeah, sure. Like, let's, let's go. I want to watch some of these replays. And he takes you to this theater room and he sits you down and he reaches over and he, gra and he grabs your hand and he presses play on this video. And it's the moment where you said no to this person, this place, or this thing to pick your Bible up off the table to go, in, to go in, into your prayer closet and to be with him. It's the moment of when you're newly delivered from drug addiction and someone looks at you and says, so you won't mind if I go ahead and get high in, in front of you then. And you take out your Bible and you start reading Psalm chapter 18 to them as they, as they proceed to get high in front of you and you read scripture to them to just say you think that you have life but you know nothing of life. The moment of where the temptation for pornography hits you and rather than opening up the computer screen you turn on worship music and you get on your hands and knees and you let him melt you into the very image that he has for you. The moment of where you want to blow off church on a Sunday. I'm not, I'm not saying when you've had a, I'm not trying, like, man, if you're hearing legalism in this, gosh, you're missing it. 
I'm talking about moments of like, oh, I don't want to go on a Thursday night. I don't want to wake up and go on a Wednesday morning. Fine, I'll go, but I'm not going to be present. I'm not going to give it my all. I'll let everyone there know that it's an inconvenience for me to be there. I'm going to wear my countenance on my face. Rather than just like take, take a step past yourself for five seconds, you'll find him every, like every time, every time. It amazes me. It amazes me how when I'm not looking for him, those are the moments that I find him. The moments of where you didn't want to be with him and he starts pressing play on all these moments of your life where you decided, no, I am going to go and be with him. I am going to go away with him. I am going to go. And I'm not saying you have to be locked up in the secret place for, for hours. If you're, I'm extremely extroverted. I love, like, I love being out. Go, go walk the canal. Go walk your neighborhood. Grab your dog. Grab your, your wife, your best friend, your, 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 your girlfriend, your friend, your mom, your dad, whoever. Like, go with someone. Like, that, like, even that walk is a fellowship of the Spirit. All the moments that you choose to just be with him, all of the moments he, be, he begins to press play and he begins to weep because you touched the heartstrings of his heart and you spoke the love language of quality time to him of where he's like, I love these moments because you chose me and, and, and you honored my choice of you with your choice. All the moments where you chose me and you, you, you choose me, is that a word, choose me? You choose me and you chose intimacy in that moment. These are my favorite moments of you, where you didn't have to, but you chose to. You didn't have to, even if you were just like, okay, I've got 1% of this choice to come be with him. And the Lord was like, I don't care. I'll take one, even if it's as you're sitting there. You're like, I don't even really want to be doing this. I want to be doing something else, somewhere else. I want to be with someone else. The video games, the, the TV program, the show, the, the whatever I'm doing look a lot more entertaining in this. And he's like, the fact that you still, you stayed there until your soul quieted down, your spirit, your heart swallowed that soul and you stepped into encounter. I just believe that like the Lord just has tapes of our life where I decided to just say, no, like I'm going to go be away with him instead. Please don't hear legalism in that. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to have this be a like, if it doesn't look like you're on your face with your Bible for hours in a, in a locked room behind closed doors, and it's, and like a, a lot of times I'm learning, like for me, enjoyment with the Lord looks like getting down on the floor and playing with my son. It looks like in a, in a crowded restaurant, just stopping for a minute. No one else has to know. It doesn't have to be this loud thing, just, or this abrupt thing, just in my heart. I'll stop and I'll just breathe and I'll, 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 I'll turn myself inward to the tabernacle that has been set up in the holy of holies of my heart. And I'll, I'll just give it attention. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be like a whole service. It's just, it can be literally the course of 10 seconds. Just turn. I just, there he is. I just give it attention. I believe those are the, those are the favorite DVDs that Jesus has of your life in heaven, the moments that you chose him. You honored the very tabernacle. You honored what has been set up inside of you and you just gave attention. I, I really, really, really want to get better at doing that. I 
All right, stand to your feet with me. It's 8.59. Never listen to a pastor when they say they're not going to take the full amount of time. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you that you would have mercy on me and you would have mercy on us that there's moments of where I, I will confess right now that I haven't chosen you. The moments of where it's like, no, like, I want to sit in my self-pity. I want to sit in feeling sorry for myself. I want to sit in worry and stress because I feel like my worry and stress will get better and make the problem go away if I try to handle it. I chose social media over you. I chose a TV show over you. I chose going with this person here to this thing over you. And I know that you're not insecure. It's not like I, I left you like a dog in its crate, chained up, waiting for me. To, like, you, you came with me. I'm not talking about this weird legalistic, like, if your life doesn't look like three to eight hours of prayer a day, then you're not a Christian. I'm, just, I'm talking about answering the enticement of love that calls out to us, saying, I've made my tabernacle within you. Come away with me, come away with me, come away with me. Make your bed in the holy of holies. If you walk into a crowded bar, you give your attention to me. The holy of holies is there. You walk into a crowded gym, you give your attention. The holy of holies is there. You walk into a family reunion or a family gathering that you really don't want to be at, you give your attention. The holy of holies is there. All of these subtle moments that we can give you attention that then lead to bigger moments of prioritized attention Holy Spirit, we thank you for mercy. Thank you for your gracious discipleship of us, Holy Spirit. Thank you that in the moments of where it was like, no, like I'll just be honest, like I, I didn't choose you in this moment. I didn't honor your choice of me with my choice to you. I didn't, I'm sorry. Thank you for grace and for mercy in that moment that is willing to be patient and long-suffering and kind to a degree that is just, I've, I don't know, I've, I've yet to find someone that can put it into words. Thank you for the things, Jesus, that you've delivered my life from, that you've delivered our lives from. Thank you that every single person in here would leave tonight, just remember him. This is our Savior, look at him. We will remember him. Just remember him. Over every single individual person in here, I ask that you would bring to their memories, even right now, right now, a moment where it was like, oh yeah, that time at that camp or at that place or in my car or with that group of friends, like we just, I was in the glory. I was in the presence. Like the, the presence, like I, oh my gosh, it just, it, it, it swallowed me in that moment. We would remember and reflect on those moments. Those moments would become our constant imagination and meditation. Replace thoughts of insecurity, fears and competitions and strivings with those well moments. Each of those encounters is an individual well that was dug in our life that we could go back to for life supply. Because after all, those encounters are you. 
Those encounters are you. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for that you let us do this. Thank you that even in the, even in the place of where we're learning and we're figuring things out and we're, we're learning how to do this together as a team, we're learning about what it looks like to pursue you corporately. Thank you that you let us be here in New Direction. Thank you that you let us be here in this space. Thank you that any future plans that you have for us, you've already been there, so we will not fear and we will be anxious for nothing. Thank you that financial provision is not our concern and is not our problem because you are already there. My future is a memory to you, so why should I fear? We thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that in all of your days, as, as, as it is written, in all of my days, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or out begging for bread. Thank you, Jesus, that you want your church to advance more than we want to build it and be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, um, I love you guys. Um, hang around, uh, talk with each other, get prayer. These nights are awesome. Um, we will see you guys here Wednesday morning at, um, oh, and by the way, um, our newsletter has, is going to come out, the new newsletter, either today or tomorrow, definitely by the end of this week. That newsletter has all of the dates for men's nights, women's nights. Um, you can connect with Kate or Bentley. Well, for men's nights, you can connect with Taylor for women's nights. Um, that newsletter is the primary way that you can find out what's going on week to week, day to day here. If we don't have your email, we would really like to have that. Um, so either please give it to myself, to Jeff, Clay, Cade, or Bentley, whoever at, at the end, or Taylor at the end of this time. We would love it. It's not going to be spam. It's literally just going to be the newsletter. We just want to be able to communicate with you guys. But love you guys. We will see you next Thursday. Have a good one.